Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Bez, what have we got around the grounds this week? The incredible final of the Australian Open between Sabalenka and Rubikina. Aussie Tess Cody became the first Australian woman to win an X Games medal in snowboard slope style. And newcomers Western United still sit on top of the table in the A-League women. It's a cool story. I'm, I'm loving watching them. Pretty cool. For our key story, we'll discuss some of the big money deals coming out of cricket and football at the moment. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist in Rugby Sevens and I play AFLW for the GWS Giants. Every week on the show, I'm joined by my co-host, Bez, who looks after everything behind the scenes at TFAP. Bez, you've had a big weekend in Munchie. I did. It was lovely. Munchie. Bit of wine drinking? A bit. <laughs> if, yeah, a lot. Um, that was beautiful. I'd never been to Mudgee, weirdly, and I really enjoyed it. Shout out to the people of Mudgee. Had an awesome time. Nice. Lots of good food, good wine, good vibes. How were the vibes at Stadium, I was going to say Australia, definitely not Allianz no, Stadium Allianz this weekend. Stadium, it was pretty cool. Went down for the Sydney Sevens. Some mixed results, obviously, from the Aussies that we'll get into in a little bit more detail during Around the Grounds. But the atmosphere in general, was it was cool. It was cool seeing people back there, thousands of Fijians, as there always is at Sevens tournaments. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. This podcast drops every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And you can also sign up via the link in our show notes to the email newsletter that our amazing team spends hours putting together for you to read with your morning coffee. Let's take a look around the grounds. In tennis. What a final. It was a great match. It was awesome. So final of the 2023 Australian Open was honestly one of the best games I have scene of women's tennis no words but no honestly um obviously my wife is an ex-tennisser and she was frothing over it frothing frothing with an f in the middle of the word as well the froth was large could have been the wine tour that we'd been on earlier that day but that could contribute to to the froth so Irina sabalenka went up against reigning wimbledon champion elena rubikina so sabalenka played exceptional tennis on rod laver arena on saturday night and Got the win. She went down the first set 4-6, but won the second two 6-3, 6-4 to secure what was her first Grand Slam. She's 24 years old, and I reckon there'll be a lot more. It's young, isn't it? Mm. Um, she played with a real lack of fear against the big-serving Rubikina, and it's an amazing transformation given that the 24-year-old was occasionally serving underarm at last year's Australian Open just to try and land something in the court. And this is not a tactical underarm like we sometimes see from Nick Kyrgios to kind of outsmart his opponent, right? She had lost her lollies last year. Like it was terrible. Like it was a real unraveling of a technique that is something I'm sure she's been doing since she was a child and she just lost it. It's it's pretty cool to think that that was only last year. Yeah, so she's clearly not only benefited from working with a biomechanicist. Mechanicist. <laughs> it's a hard one. Biomechanist, would you say? Yep. Bio. But it should be mechanic. So mech, why does it change from mech to mech? I don't know. You're the physio who helped her fix her serve. But she also admitted to a shift in her self-belief having a huge effect on her tennis. On Sunday afterwards when she did the little prezzo with her in with her trophy, she said, I just changed how I feel. Like I started to respect myself more. I started to understand that actually I'm here because I work so hard and I'm actually a good player. 
just having this understanding that I'm a good player means I can handle a lot of emotions and a lot of things on court. It's a really cool shift. I love that self-belief. The improvement in her service, as we said, has been absolutely huge. So much so during the 2022 season, Sabalenka led the WTA WTA tour standings for most double faults with a whopping 428. Do you know what second place was? No, I don't. Like I imagine she was a fair way ahead. I would say so. 428. That's a lot. It's a lot lot. of free points to to your opponent. Mm -hmm. On Saturday, in contrast, she smashed 17 aces past Rabakina, including five in the final set alone. As a result of her win in Melbourne, Savalenka moves to number two on the world rankings and now sits behind only Iga Svontek, who was at number one. How cool. One of the highlights of the evening was seeing Yvonne Goolagong and Billie Jean King, I two absolute idols. Could you imagine meeting the two of them? So, I'd, so <sighs> you see pre-match, they kind of focused in on them and they were just sitting there like talking and pointing things out in the crowd and I was like just – Imagine being in the row behind, you'd be like that weird person just like. Just like leaning over and listening in, like sitting in between them. <laughs> They'd start offering you chips. You're like, oh, thanks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they were in the front row cheering on the new generation of tennis stars. They were joined in the crowd by seven members of the original nine women who transformed women's tennis and made a huge impact on women's sport around the world. When in 1970, they made a stand for equal rights and broke away from tennis's governing body. They signed a symbolic $1 contract, formed their own professional tour, and that led to increased prize money for women's tennis and the eventual formation of what we now know as the WTA tour. I love this story so much. And I love that they can be at an event like this and actually be recognized as well. Yeah, and the footage that came out of that had a little get together on Thursday, um, and they were obviously all there in the in the crowd on the weekend. But they they're like best pals. It's so cool, and they just as catch they, up as they would be, though, right? Like so just good. trailblazing women. Yeah, who took a massive risk. So cool. The seven pioneers who were in the crowd were Billie Jean King, Australian. Uh, my grandmother Judy Dalton. <laughs> She is definitely not related to me, but I wish she was. Kerry Melville Reed, Americans Rosie Casals, Peaches Barkovich, Christy Pigeon, and Valerie Ziegenfuss. Other members, Julie Heldman and Nancy Ritchie, were unable to make the long trip to Australia, but sent their best wishes. Judy Dalton said at a function. Grandma Judy. Grandma Judy said at a function to celebrate the women on Thursday. I feel very proud. We hoped that we would have a terrific effect, but I'm not sure we realized it would be as great as what it was. I think we achieved that probably because of companionship and camaraderie, helping each other because that's what we had to do. It was the only way we could do it. It was a hard ride, but it was a wonderful one. It was a very worthwhile one. Oh, I, we could finish with the episode here today, I think. I think we, you know, we obviously had a little bit of time off over Christmas and we had a little bit of a TFAP meeting get together and we spoke about changing some things up or, you know, new ideas or whatever. And we spoke about maybe a new couple of segments. I think, I think I'm just putting my vote in right now for quotes that make Chloe cry. That's a really good segment. <laughs> I don't even know if you need to make it a segment because it just happens every week regardless. <laughs> quotes, that, quotes that make my friend tear up. <laughs> It's not hard to do, apparently. I just love these strong women. It's cool. It's so cool. It is amazing. In winter sports. Winter. With winter. an A on the end. The X Games. Well, because it's the X Games with just an X. Yeah, true. 
were held in Aspen, Colorado over the weekend. And Tess Cody became the first Australian woman to win an X Games medal in snowboard slope style, finishing second behind New Zealand's Olympic champion Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott. I think it's Zoe, but every time I look at it, I, I say Zoe in my head. I think, like, if, if you're competing in the X Games, it should be Zoe. 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 Because <laughs> I feel like that would kind of be the sound she would make with her snowboard. You're right. It's definitely Zoe. Apologies, Zoe. Always learning. Cody told media after the event that Zoe is one of my best friends, so it's sick to be able to shred with her. We get so hyped for each other. There is no one else I would rather have beat me than Zoe or Zoe. Definitely Zoe. Shred, sick, and hyped. Is it a quote from a snowboarder if it does not include those three words? Also wanted to add in that 14-year-old Gaon Choi broke Chloe Kim's X Game record as the youngest halfpipe winner by just a few months. 14. 14 years old. Insane. Impressive. In cricket, it was a wet end to the Australian and Pakistan cricket series on Sunday. The skies just wouldn't clear at Canberra's Manuka Oval and the final T20 match was abandoned without a ball being bowled. The Aussies did dominate the first two T20s, winning both by eight wickets. They got some valuable time in the middle, and it was great to see superstar Elise Perry score an unbeaten 50 and quick Megan shoot take a five-wicket haul leading into the World Cup. The Aussies will face New Zealand in the first World Cup match in South Africa on February 12th. That's really soon. February 12th. Yeah, so I think tonight, we're recording this on Monday, they have the Australian Cricket Awards. Yep. And they get on a plane on Tuesday. That's it's come up so quickly, as we talked about, I think, last week. They have World Cups, it feels like, every six months sometimes. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a negative to come out of last week, Sprinkler Gate again. Been a couple lately, hasn't there? A couple of sprinkler issues. Thursday before the second T20 match, uh, the players were about to take the field in Hobart when for some reason the ground's sprinklers were turned on. Ground staff rushed to turn the water off, but the match was briefly delayed to allow the field to dry. There was some warranted chat on Twitter with Anna Lanning, sister of Australian captain Meg Lanning, writing the incident was absolutely disgraceful, would not happen at a men's international game. So a similar thing, I think we shared it on our socials, happened at the end of last year after Sydney FC A-League women's match at Allianz Stadium when the sprinklers were turned on only seconds after the full-time whistle and while the players were still on the ground. Get, get a little early shower. Sometimes it's nice to get an early shower, but not one that you don't know is coming. Yeah, it's just we need to be a bit better there, guys. What was quite interesting when we did share that on our socials around the football match, lots of men in the comments said, get over it. This is a standard thing that happens. This happens to me at local hockey all the time. Growing up when I played football, this would always happen to me. Like it's normal. The important distinction to make is exactly what Meg Lanning's sister said on Twitter is that it wouldn't happen at a men's international game, which is where this, we're playing top tier sports here and it wouldn't happen in the equivalent of a men's top tier sport. Absolutely. In soccer. Soccer. That's also got an A on the end. We've decided to remove R's from the vocabulary today. <laughs> Western United might be the newest team in the A-League women's competition, but you sure wouldn't know it. I'm loving, I, I hope there's a doco crew following them. Yeah. Because it's a cool story. After 10 matches, they sit five points clear on top of the ladder with nine wins and only one loss. Melbourne City and Sydney FC are chasing them hard. And with eight rounds remaining, the number one spot isn't quite in the bag for Western United. But given the quality of soccer they're playing, it wouldn't surprise anyone to see them on top in April. 
On Saturday, the leaders showed no mercy in a 5-0 rout of Canberra. Is that how you say that? Yeah. What does that mean? Rout. Like when you absolutely kick the you-know-what out of someone. A rout, like, you know. You never heard that before? No. Weird. Interesting. Hmm. A flogging. A smashing. A 5-0 flogging. Wallop is a good word. A walloping. A wallop. (laughs) You like we're removing R's and putting extra H's in things today, people. Where they don't belong. <laughs> Even they had that 5-0 win without the Women's World Cup winning striker Jess McDonald, who's departed the club at the conclusion of her guest contract to return to parent club Racing Louisville in the NWSL, the US wow, Women's Domestic Competition. I'm, I'm imagining they kind of wanted her guest contract to be, be a little extended. bit further extended, right? She was epic. Uh, the match was played in Canberra on Saturday and at 3 p.m. when the match kicked off, the temperature was 35 degrees. Two Western United players were treated for potential heat stroke by medical staff after their win. And although there were reports they were taken to hospital, the club has denied that that was necessary. I did. I feel like I read a tweet from one of the players saying they'd ended up in hospital. Yes, yeah, so that's one of the players said, again, we've got players in hospital due to heat stroke, but the club said they didn't actually end up in hospital. They were taken to medical space and like a medical center but not a hospital unsure unsure reps from the professional footballers australia pfa announced they wanted to meet with the australian professional leagues the apl so the governing body and ask to avoid afternoon kickoffs in baking summer conditions the issue has been ongoing this summer and two weeks ago pfa co-chief executive Catherine gill said APL have been responsive on a number of occasions, rescheduling matches. However, the consistent feedback from the players is that the 3 p.m. kickoffs in the summer months has regularly posed a risk to their health and safety and undermined the quality of the product. We will have further discussions with APL during the week in the hope of achieving an outcome that safeguards the well-being of the players and ensures the best possible product on the pitch for fans. I think overall it sounds like a Hopefully, they'll work towards a positive outcome in terms of changing it. Even to a 5 p.m. time slot would make a bit of a difference, right, when, when you get a bit more of a cool change. But I think the biggest things in these scenarios is ensuring that the leagues and the organizations listen to the player feedback. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I like what they say there. It's not, you know, the safety and the well-being of the players is paramount, but also understand that it's actually affecting the quality of the product. Correct. Playing anything in 35-degree heat, just sitting in 35 degree heat is hard work. My polo shirt from the weekend could tell you that. Oof. I hope that's been burnt. In stark contrast, the WSL in England had a match postponed last week after five minutes when the referee declared the pitch unplayable due to it being frozen. What would you prefer? What would you rather, 35 degrees or a frozen pitch? Look, I'm no good on ice. Like, <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> I fall down a lot in winter conditions. So... Never been a skier or a snower or a skater. I think I'll go hot. We actually discussed this while we were away on the weekend. It was really hot and mudgy. Everyone's like, God, it's hot. And I was like, yeah, but you know when it's really hot, we're all sweating together. It's like we're all in this together. Like it's when you're the only person sweating, it gets weird. Oh, don't be the only person sweating. Mm. That's what makes so, yeah, it quite I'm going to go frozen. What about you, friend? Oh, sorry, not frozen, hot. Not frozen. I hate the cold. I'm going to have to go hot as well. Mm. You're no good in the cold. Well, apart from the fact your extremities go, what? Yeah, I've self-diagnosed that I've got Raynards. It's not happening today because it's quite hot. Funny that when you said when it was hot and mudgy, I thought you were going to say it was hot and muggy but mispronounced it. <laughs> it's a soft G. Mudgy. Mudgy. 
Please continue. Uh, so the FA are under intense pressure to place more importance on the women's game and provide undersoil heating after Liverpool's clash with Chelsea in London was postponed. That's what they do to the men's pitches over there. Is that standard behaviour for the mm. men's pitches? Wow. Well, it gets so cold. So the field was worked on all morning before the 12.30pm local time kickoff with most of the field being placed under heat tents. That thawed the pitch enough for the game to start. But after only five minutes, the ground became dangerous with players from both sides slipping over all over the field and many throwing their hands up in frustration whenever they fell. And obviously there was, I saw some footage of them just being like, hesitant to go into tackles and stuff because they were just sliding all over the joint. Wow. Chelsea boss Emma Hayes was stunned the game even began in the first place and called on the FA to take women's football seriously in the wake of the farcical scenes. Hayes told the BBC, you could see from the opening minutes that it was like an ice rink down the sides. It's not for managers to decide if it's on. It's up to the FA and officials. We have to say to ourselves ourselves, that it's time for undersoil heating. We've got to take our game seriously. It was, yeah, it's... Interesting. Apparently there was five matches. It was freezing that weekend in, in the UK. Five matches were actually cancelled before, like earlier that morning or like the night before they knew it was coming. One of the biggest kind of criticisms about this is that Liverpool had actually travelled down to Chelsea, got there and then got cancelled after five minutes kind of thing. So it was also the timing of it was right. pretty unprofessional. While we're still on soccer, last Tuesday we spent a really awesome morning witnessing a four-metre ball land on the headland at Bondi. That blew my mind. That was really cool. I We knew that it was coming in a helicopter, but I was expecting a normal-sized soccer ball to be maybe carried out of the helicopter. But it was like Miley Cyrus wrecking ball style swinging from this helicopter. It was huge, four metres in diameter. And it was quite funny on the Northern Beaches pages that I follow, like people taking photos being like, what is this? What is going on? It was the football for the, the football. Women's World Cup. And it was very cool. It and we got epic. to chat to some bloody legends, some of our favourites at TFAP, Jess Fox, Ellie Cole, and New Zealand Women's Sevens captain Sarah Goss. Well, Sarah hit any now, but um, it was just a fun day. Awesome day. Besides the sunburn that lasted three days. And, yeah, look, it only could have been better if Sam Kerr had been riding the ball. Oh, I would have loved if she was there. Mm, probably not conducive to her health and safety. Correct. In Rugby Union, it was a huge weekend at the Sydney Sevens with over 60,000 people packing into Allianz Stadium. Unfortunately for the Aussie Seven, I was pretty heartbroken for the Aussie girls. Um, They lost to France in the quarterfinals. It just was a really slow game, I think, in part based on the referees, some of the referees' decision-making, but also by the French, probably a tactical decision to slow the game down because they – Teams know that the Aussie women are quick and they want to play fast and and that's one of their strong points. There was a very contentious call that I also tweeted about where Charlotte Caslett got a yellow card for a high tickle. High tickle. You've been hanging out with too many Kiwis. (laughs) It's rubbing off on me. (laughs) A high tackle when the French player actually dropped her head and body. Anyway, I'm not going to go into it. It made me angry. But your um, your tweet got quoted in the Sydney Morning Herald. Did it? Yeah. Wow. Hmm. There you go. Did they credit me? They said, yeah, Chloe Dalton, X7's Olympic gold medalist. Oh, nice. Who didn't wear a gold medal to the stadium. I should have. Against all advice from her friend. (laughs) Charlotte went into the sin bin and seconds later, the French finally broke through the defensive wall of the Aussies and went to halftime 5-0 up. It was a massive defensive effort from Australia. They literally defended for six minutes straight, which for those of you that 
don't know sevens is absolutely taxing, like exhausting. So to go in five nil down, I thought, okay, that it's not insurmountable. We're on here. Yeah. But French scored first again in the second half and then the Aussies scored with about two minutes to go, but it just wasn't enough. They had one chance right towards the end of the game where a knock-on was called just by the sideline. So it meant they then ended up playing off a fifth, which they managed to do on the third and final day of the tournament, um, winning against Fiji while New Zealand went undefeated over the weekend and defeated France 35-0 in the final. So a pretty impressive showing by the Kiwis. Um, also, nice little piece on the weekend. The RA got all of the ex-Aussie Sevens women together, gave you a little bit of a presentation, a little bit of a reunion. How was that? It was really cool. I think one of my favourite parts of it was being able to meet some of the players from the 2009 World Cup, which for the Australian Women's Sevens program was a defining moment in allowing funding and opportunities to come in for a lot of those players. So it's thanks to a lot of the women in that team that actually allowed me to become a full-time sevens player and to have the chance to go to the Olympics. So it was really special to meet them and, and to just catch up with lots of people that I've played with over my career. Probably one strange part is that it was a past players function and I haven't really retired. I don't feel like I've called... Heard it here first. I don't feel like I've called time. I'm not saying I'm going back to sevens anytime soon, but that part of it was a little bit strange. Mm, interesting. Mm. Well, Paris 2024, as a friend that tends to travel to you when you go to nice places, I can put my hand in to say we will go to Paris. Every second person is reminding me of the <laughs> fact that they like to go to Paris. <laughs> in netball, the Diamonds continued their winning streak, taking home at the Quad Series with a 56-50 to 50 win in the final over New Zealand. It capped off a pretty unbelievable year for the Aussies, which started 12 months ago when they won the Quad Series in London, and they followed that up with wins at the Com Games, Constellation Cup, and a series victory over the England Roses. The Diamonds were down by four goals just before halftime, but closed to within a single goal ahead of the main break and started the third term with an explosive 10-3 run that the Silver Ferns had never recovered from. Skipper Liz Watson was pleased with the team's effort, especially against the Ferns' zone defence, and said it would bolster her team's belief ahead of the World Cup, which will also be held in Cape Town in six months' time. Goal attack Steph Wood won player of the match honours and said after the game, it was a really tough match out there, a quality one, and every time we come up against the Ferns, they're just getting better and better. It was a great game, and I'm proud of our group. We're slowly putting four quarters together. So important, the old play four quarters. In basketball, on Sunday night, Lauren Scherf played her 200th WNBL match when she took the court for the Perth Lynx. Her teammates made sure the Melbourne Boomers didn't spoil the party, getting the win 91-82. to The win took the Lynx's winning streak to seven and made the battle for top places even tighter. Perth's Amy Atwell scored 27 points, including seven three-pointers. Her her release, she's got such a quick release. It was it was very cool to watch. Um, seven three-pointers to help the Lynx to the victory and Melbourne's second successive defeat caused them to lose top spot to Southside after the Flyers edged past Adelaide Lightning 73-72 on Saturday night. The Lynx will be looking to make it eight in a row when they take on third place Townsville in Wednesday night, on Wednesday night, some would say, in Perth in what will be a huge game. It's so tight at the top. So there's five teams 
and they're all within like mere points of each other. Yeah. Exciting we love stuff. when the light is like that. It's cool. It's exciting. Um, in America, US basketball legend Brianna Stewart, I've just taken this off you. Go for it. Well, you run the show here anyway. <laughs> no, no, but it, you obviously saw this. So she, she's a free agent at the moment. This is obviously she's one of the best basketballers on the planet and there's a lot of clubs pursuing her. So she thought she'd use that her moment, one of her very many moments in, in, in the limelight to tweet, I would love to be part of a deal that helps subsidise charter travel for the entire WNBA. Why not? Why not? Get it done. Mm-hmm. So she was indicating her willingness to put her own sponsorship money towards a deal that provides that for all players. Other WNBA players and NBA players have jumped online to support Stewart's calls. And I love this. NBA legend Kareem, you, I'll leave this with you, go. Oh, it's so cool. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Dr. G. He <laughs> brought the conversation to the forefront. He tweeted, today's NBA players never had to deal with the effects of commercial travel on their bodies. I'm all for WNBA players getting equal rights. Congrats, Brianna, for raising this issue. The I've said it before and I'll, I'll say it again. Male athletes speaking up about issues that impact female athletes carry so much power because people who look up to them see them speaking out on these issues and, and they have to stop and take notice. Whether or not they make a decision to agree with him or not, they have to stop and take notice of him saying something like that. Absolutely. I don't think uh, the importance of allyship can be underrated. Let's take a look at the key story. Big deals. Big deals. So there's been some serious business being done this week with cricket and American soccer announcing some huge, very exciting deals. Huge deals. How many times can we say deals? Is this a new segment? I feel like we're selling cars. Come in and get a big deal. (laughs) Actually, if there's anyone out there that has a car, brand new one, we're looking for a sponsorship. Yeah, send it our way. Yeah, like not even joking. Yeah. Okay, so... In cricket, the inaugural women's IPL teams were confirmed when the five winning bids were announced. This is this number blew my mind. I it, love it. Um, it also looks epic in rupees because it's even more. It's a lot of numbers. It's so many numbers, but we'll, we'll talk in um, at AU just to make it a little bit easier. India's Cricket Board announced the teams had a bid total of AU $806 million. Invest in women's sport, people. And Jay Shah, Secretary of the Board of Control for Cricket in India, the BCCI, tweeted on Wednesday, today is a historic day in cricket as the bidding for teams of inaugural WPL broke the records of the inaugural men's IPL in 2008. This marks the beginning of a revolution in women's cricket and paves the way for a transformative journey ahead, not only for our women cricketers, but for the entire sports fraternity. There is so much value in women's sport. The announcement comes days after the BCCI announced a windfall of $164 million after Viacom 18 won the media rights for the first five seasons of the new league. There's been plenty of excitement on social media channels and former England star and commentator Isha Gua described the deal as a landmark day for the women's game. Aussie bowler Megan Shoot tweeted, incredibly exciting. This marks the start of an era Great for female cricketers, but also great for female sports across the globe. Investment equals opportunity. Oh, she said it way better than I did. (laughs) That's good. A player auction will be held next month and each team can sign up to seven overseas players. A salary cap of around $2 million will be imposed for what is expected to be a four to five week competition. And there are a number of Australian stars that will absolutely nominate for that auction. 
it's not a bad salary cap for a four to five week commitment. Yeah. T20s, they tend to play every two to three days. So mm. they'll smash out maybe a home and away. For mm-hmm. the, there's only five teams at this, this at this point. So I'm guessing there'll be a home and away matches and then some finals. Pretty good coin. And not only that, like I think, again, we speak about visibility playing cricket in India in front of a billion cricket mad humans opportunity everywhere Mm -hmm. in some american soccer news where we're talking more big deals the national women's soccer league is set to expand by three teams in boston utah and the san francisco bay area the groups in boston and the bay area have agreed to pay approximately us 50 million dollars each in franchise fees which is the most of any previous payments required to enter the nwsl the last teams to be added to the league were the Los Angeles Angel City FC and San Diego Wave FC only a few years ago. And it's reported that these teams paid between US $2 million and $5 million. That is some jump. It's a big jump. This big jump indicates. <laughs> big deals and big jumps. <laughs> big deals and big jumps. A willingness from outside parties to invest in the league's value, especially its media rights. There is a new broadcast deal due in 2023 and it's expected to dwarf the previous deal, which sees matches played on Paramount Plus and feature games on CBS Sports Network or, or CBS. The deal was approximately US $4.5 million over three years and was signed in 2020. That is That deal is going to go through the roof. Hugely. It has to. I love also one of the things that um, I think NWSL probably are doing better than a lot of the other leagues across, across the world. The ex-players are all getting involved. Yeah. So I think Brandy Chaston's involved in the San Francisco Bay team. Like they're all like reinvesting. And, I, and so they should. Like they, they carry so much weight with their profile, right? They make a big impact. Profile and also just impact on the on the group. Yes. You know, like I'm sure the players of Los Angeles Angels City FC love having Abby Wombach coming to training every now and then. If and she wants being, to come hang out with us at TFAP. Being in and around. <laughs> Let's take a look at what to watch. The World Surf League's back. 2023 season is here and the Billabong Pipeline Masters is currently on hold with an expected start soon. The waiting period began Monday morning Australia time and the best surfers in the world are expected to face some pumping pipe in the coming weeks. You can watch all the action live on the WSL website, Foxtel and the Seven Network. In the A-League women's competition, second plays third on Saturday when Sydney FC hosts Melbourne City. The match will be held at Allianz Stadium and kicks off at 2.20pm. You can watch live in person or on Paramount Plus and the 10 Network. Great stadium too. Get out there. Love it. Massive WNBL match between the Melbourne Boomers, who are second, and the Bendigo Spirit, who are fourth this Sunday afternoon. Tip-off at the Melbourne Sports Centre in Parkville is 3pm and you can watch Live and free on nine now. If you're looking for a football doco to get you excited for the World Cup, make sure you tune into Equals. It's a six-part documentary available now on UEFA.tv, UEFA.tv, that examines the rapid rise of women's football against the backdrop of a record-breaking UEFA Women's Euro 2022. I, I'm really excited. To, have you watched it yet? I watched the first episode. It's mad. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Sick. That's the wrap. Wrapped it up. Wrapped it good. The big wrap today. I'm hungry. 
Thank you so much for listening. This podcast drops every Tuesday morning at 6am. We'd really appreciate if you could give us a quick review if you haven't already. Um, We'd really, really appreciate it. And um, it helps us just to keep increasing our audience and listener base. See you next week. See you next week, friend. Bye.